Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. A new year beckons and with thoughts of spring on the horizon and the days gradually lengthening, now is an ideal time to focus your mind on the growing season that lies ahead. It's a time that can be filled with promise, plans and good gardening practice. So let myself and Saul entertain you with ideas for your garden, be it a compact courtyard or an estate with meandering acres. Horticultural principles remain constant whether your plot is large or small, so we hope that these episodes bring you the confidence, inspiration and reassurance to step out into your garden with enthusiasm. We'll also run occasional interviews with our gardening peers, giving insight into this multifaceted and fascinating industry. It's why myself and Lucy collectively have 45 years of professional horticultural dirt under our fingernails, and why we can't imagine our worlds without the joy and creativity gardening brings. If you want to be part of this journey, please do join us each week to look into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Well, Happy New Year to all the Talking Heads listeners. Now, the regular listeners will notice that we haven't been on air for quite a few weeks. No. Uh, yeah, we were meant to put out a Christmas uh, episode... But I caught the dreaded COVID bug. Yeah, you did, poor thing. And I have been, uh, I have been, wait, uh, what, what's the word? I've, I've been controlled by this bug for three weeks. Luckily, I'm back up and running. I'm back to work, just. Uh, and uh, yeah, we are looking forward to a new year. Uh, Lucy's here. Happy New Year, Lucy. Happy New Year to you, Saul. It's like I say, it's lovely to see you up and smiling and about because I did speak to you a couple of times when you were poorly. And um, thank you. Yeah, you, I could I could sense just literally by speaking to the <laughs> to you that yeah there was something serious going on. I was uh, I saved my illness until Wednesday after Christmas, so I've, I actually yes, lost my voice. Well. Mm. Yeah, I've had a something that gave me a horrible um, eye infection and saw and lost my voice and all sorts of stuff. So not COVID, and uh, I'm not at all saying it was any near on the level that you've had yeah but um yeah us gardeners you know it's meant to be healthy but there we go the, the, the one problem with both of what we have is podcasting's incredibly difficult when your voice is quite compromised <laughs> yes exactly i might i'm still a little bit husky now so if you hear anything it's just the remnants yeah. of something that won't quite shift but i'm back on form yeah, this is the late night version of the Talking Heads <laughs> podcast. Husky voices. Anyway, we really hope you've all had a lovely uh, Christmas and a lovely New Year. You and your families have got together. Mm. Um, quite an interesting few weeks to talk about. One thing we, w- the one thing me and Lucy haven't done is any gardening. We've just discussed. No. So it's Hands quite up, hard for guys. us to tell you the, of what we've been doing <laughs> in the garden because nothing is the worst. I can tell you what I've been doing, but it's just not been in the garden. <laughs> but um before the one thing we should talk about really and the one thing we should start because it is a new year but the weather does not change Mm -hmm. is that um in the uk at least we had an incredibly cold it's about a week maybe 10 days um that even crept down to the banana belt that is uh south devon and uh Mm -hmm. i had an intense frost in my back garden which i don't often see and from my uh, sick bed. I uh, looked out at bananas and all sorts of other lovely tropical plants, just looking a little bit crispy, <laughs> a bit brown. This was now remind me because it was mid December, was it, when we had this cold uh, spell? Do, do you know what? So because we talked about it, we talked about it happening on the last episode of the podcast in 2022. Definitely, and we talked about it, and we said by the time it comes out, it's going to happen. 
I think so it was the weekend of the 10th. So it started around yeah. the 10th, 11th. Yeah. And it lasted about a week. But it, it did get, It got down to us about minus two, minus three. I'm, I'm guessing you might have been a bit cooler. But some places mm. up in Scotland were minus teens. You know, yeah, we didn't really get to teens. Cold. I know in my greenhouse, which isn't heated, it got down to minus 3.8 on my thermometer. Ooh. But that's in the greenhouse. That was not yeah. outside. So I'm guessing maybe minus six for us just outside Colchester. It, yeah, and it was like the, it was just so prolonged. Um, you know, it seems like a distant memory to me now, to be honest. But um, yeah, it went on and on and on. And um, yeah, we had, there was snow in Chelmsford. He, he and my husband was working towards Chelmsford Dunmo Way. And uh, there was four inches of snow there. We didn't have any um, in our side of Colchester, but on the other side of Colchester with some, with some friends where they had a couple of inches of snow. So, yeah, Merry Christmas. Well, yeah, but then, then it all changed, didn't it, for Christmas and oh, New literally Year? On, on the sixpence, it twisted round and um, it rained and went up into the teens yeah. um, within 24 hours and it all disappeared. So A very murky Christmas. It wasn't really, yeah, If I wish it, yeah, in some ways I wish it was that nice frosty, snowy, Christmas, oh. but oh well. Hey ho. Who, who knows? Because at the moment, Europe's having a heat wave. Apparently, I, I I heard Warsaw is plus fifteen or something in the middle of January in places where it's meant to be very cold. So we've been thir- we've been thirteen today. Have you thirteen? Wow, thirteen. Yeah. What about you? What are you? I I, I, I think about twelve, but yeah. Uh, it, I I I th- it's it's weird, isn't it? New Year, as the weather hasn't really changed. Be interested to see. I I am actually quite interested to see how the patterns develop this year. I am hoping for something a little bit more normal, a, a good spring, a summer. You know, it, I'm sure it'll get dry at some point, and then just getting into a proper autumn. I like the seasons back. I think that's what I really crave is knowing where I am from month to month, rather than having to guess every fortnight of what the next patch of climate is going to happen. You know what you've done there? You've stuffed it for everybody. Now you've said that is what you want. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a topsy-turvy year and it's all thanks to Saul Walker. You've just heard it. And I also have to say to everybody, if we do splutter in this episode, we will try and edit them out. But Saul and I (laughs) both, when we laugh, we actually have a coughing coughing fit. Oh God, sorry. So apologies in advance, but we'll try and edit those bits out. I'm going to do a cough right now. So... No, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna double those in the edit. I'm gonna turn them into some sort of, I don't know, <laughs> song or something like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Been a been a been a strange old uh, Christmas. But did you did you have a good one? Did you get anything garden related for Christmas, Lucy? No. Do you know I did not? No, I didn't. I got lots of lovely vouchers for pampery type things, and I got a little bit, a nice, lovely bottle of gin, which is um. Uh, I've made a, a bit of a dent in that already. And um, oh, do you know what? It was a lovely, lovely Christmas. It really Good. was. My f- family, you know, I've got a little one on top form, just on top form, loving the whole concept of Father Christmas and presents and getting, you know, into that. And um, it was just so enjoyable. Loved so many magical moments. So for me, it was very, very special. And yeah, I did. I, I deliberately haven't actually done very much in the way of work because there's not many times when I give myself permission to have a whole two weeks off and that's what we're doing. Um, Myself and Mr. C are having two weeks off. So we've had Christmas week off and we've got this week off as well. And that poor Mr. C has actually had an operation and he's in, he's convalescing at the moment or saw this in his sling. Um, He's got his arm in his sling and he's going to be off work for about a fortnight. So I'm actually going to be looking after Ian um, for the next couple of weeks. But um, we, we we would have been off anyhow, so I'm you know I'm deliberately trying to make the most of that time because it's 
it's important to have a little bit of downtime. It is a traditional moment for gardeners to have just a little bit of reflection, isn't it? And uh, yeah, not not go back to. I, I went back to work yesterday. Uh, the problem with Devon is we have a lot of hills and hills <laughs> and uh, uh, a, 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 um, a, a disease that affects the lungs is it, they they don't match. No. So uh, I've been trying to um, avoid going up and down them, but we're going to start on the pruning of the apple trees tomorrow. That's a that's a job I always leave for the this time of the year. It's quite a nice one to come back to work to do a hmm. little bit, little bit of something. So we've got about eighteen apples in the orchard to to prune i didn't prune them last year i'm trying to remember why oh because we were laying the hedge so we didn't oh, get the yes. chance the hedge laying yeah how's yeah, that the looking hedge laying. do you know it looks absolutely awesome the problem with laid hedges is they're great during the summer but actually it's this time of year where you all the leaves are gone and you see the bones of the hedge again mm-hmm. and you think god that looks really good we did a really good job on that so um yeah, that looks great. But yes, tomorrow we'll be out uh, pruning the apples, probably giving them quite a bit of a haircut, I think, because mm. uh, I don't want them to grow too tall. One of the keys with uh, apple pruning, as well as getting the shape right, is to make sure that you prune them to a good harvesting height as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that in autumn they've got to get up a ladder and get the apples from right at the top, um, and you don't want them too tall. So I think we're going to give them a bit of a, a reduction, maybe a little bit of a a height reduction so that we can uh, harvest those apples a bit better. We're doing rose pruning at the moment. Like I said, well, not at the moment. We start, I started it just before we, we stopped for Christmas and that's what we're going to be picking up with um, when we continue. Everybody's off at the moment, Nick and Steve and um, myself and Ian, we're all, all away from the hall and it's it's okay we're not in a bad position at all there's not a, a massive big backlog of jobs to do but yeah there's a lot of roses at the hall there's yeah. loads of climbers there's some ramblers there's lots of h hybrid teas there's loads of shrub roses and um yeah it takes it's a big big chunk of work but i love i love doing it as i say i started some before i left and there were wall trained ones and there's the, when you get the symmetry right and tying them all in it's such a satisfying process. I really do love that part of things. And it's, it's um, you know, it's a very kind of like um, tranquil, serene job. You can lose yourself in it. Yes. And you can't, you can't rush it. You can't rush rose pruning, you know. Um, maybe with the hybrid teas you can go in there and, you know, really go go for it. But again, you still got to, you know, make sure you don't get pricked and you can't leave about too much. You don't want to be scratched to pieces. So I do, I do love that part, that part of it in this time of year. Yeah, it's the same with wisterias, isn't it? Wisterias, you can start pruning now, mm. get those spurs. And it is, it's very pleasant when you finish the job. Everything, do you know, this time of year, I was talking to the owner at Stonelands, actually. He quite likes this time of year because everything is rendered back to its sort of baseline. We've discussed this before on the podcast in that, in some ways, I think I'm an anti-gardener in that when it's all growing and it's all out, it looks messy. When it's not... <laughs> Especially the veg garden. The veg garden looks so neat at the moment. We've it's very satisfying. Beds are all mulched already. The grapevines oh, well have been pruned. Everything looks just perfect. Mm. And I know that within the time of March and all the weeds start and I'm having to plant stuff, everything's just going to go to... Nature takes over. That's the problem. I know. I've got it restrained at the moment, so... Can I just quickly ask you, going back to the cold mm. snap, because uh, mm. I've... Um, noticed that quite a lot of my plants have been burnt back and I was expecting that because mm. I, just, I don't heat uh, too much at home and um, I did put quite a lot of things in my garden shed which has got pots either side you know stacks of pots and I thought that might insulate them quite well 
They've been burnt back on the tops, but I, I do hope the root system is alive. What happened in Devon? How, how have you managed with your collection? No, pretty bad, actually. Uh, right. Well, I've, I've managed to get most things indoors. So everything that went indoors is fine because I had some fan heaters uh, going with them. Uh, but the, I couldn't take every, the bananas, definitely. Some Brugmansia. Um, I've got to say, some things I did leave outside as an experiment and some of them have done mm. better than others. Um, the, the key is, is that I... Although they look bad, bananas especially, you know, you if you looked at them now, you think, oh, they're all a goner. Just leave them. I, I reckon they will come back in uh, in the spring. So th don't be so disheartened. Echium. We were just were talking, weren't we, before we pressed record about echiums. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of them look really poorly at the moment. But if you check the top or the, the crown centre and it's still green, you know, if it's not gone uh, black brown, then actually they will come back. Uh, you know, they, they'll look a bit raggedy, but at least they might come back. What about one that has gone black brown that was two years old and was just coming up to flower and it's oh, sown I... itself in my garden and I was really excited. What about that one, Saul? Just, just be gentle. <laughs> be ge well, if it's the middle, maybe not. But uh, I've actually oh, seen, I have seen some echiums multi-stem after the... This is what the someone at the Nature Reserve said today. They, they made me feel like that was going to happen. Great. I'm glad you've said that too. So I would leave it and just see mm. what it does. And I've got to say, an echium that multistems is a very interesting beast. Um, it definitely, they generally don't flower in that like amazing big firework, but you do get this sort of, well, it's triffid. It does look like a triffid in all directions. I'm happy with triffid. <laughs> but, but you still love them, so, so go for it. But So, so I wouldn't, um, anyone out there, I know we're all going to have things that look you know even normal garden plants i was looking at rosa banksii today as when i went back to stonelands mm. and uh, a lot of leaf had fall it's a, it's never yeah, that's on the cusp isn't it that one yeah. yeah but a lot of leaf fall but i reckon it will be fine so don't be so disheartened uh, and, and leave things and see how they do in spring and then make a decision past then yeah my Swiss chard is, is most apart from the central rosette has actually gone. Even my perpetual spinach, which I thought would be much more robust, and my well, American landcrest is all gone apart from the central rosette. So, really? yeah, I was I was surprised that even my purple sprouting has been scorched back. Um, all the kales and cauliflowers and savoy cabbage are fine, but it's it is it's educational when these things happen, isn't it? So, you know, and that's one of because that is that should be how our winters are. So, mm, in some ways. Yeah. I know we're moaning about it, uh, but that is how we should actually be gardening. <laughs> so, you know, we can't complain when we try to live on the edge of what we can grow. And then if mm. nature throws a frost at us. But um, yeah, we'll see how things are in spring. Um, now. I say we've got, some, we've got some admin to do, haven't we? We've got some admin to do because we have had some nice people over Christmas send us a few little Christmas oh, baubles nice people. <laughs> on our Buy Me A... Uh, a coffee of which we call it buy me a plant um and we've got four very generous christmas elves we'll call them uh, <laughs> thank you to all of you um yeah exactly thank you at a time when most people are running around frantically trying to buy presents and do other stuff you thought of us so we're very flattered um yeah so we got jess uh who uh gardens in cheshire and she uh, she thinks our horticultural waffles amusing um you're probably in the very uh minority there jess but thank you very much we try to be amusing um sally who is one of our u.s listeners is from idaho mm -hmm. she runs a native plant nursery which is great to hear mm. um 
She thinks our enthusiasm is infectious. Now, I'll tell you what, it Aww. was infectious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, don't use that word, Sally. Yeah, yeah infectious tender. is not good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we've got Kathy, uh, who sends, uh, obviously had seen my message on Twitter and sends me a, uh, all her best and a quick recovery. Thank you so much, Kathy. Um, but the one we want to focus on tonight is from uh, uh, Danny, Danny Koenig. Now, Danny's a professional who's recently just got his first head gardening role down here in the West Country in Cornwall. Lovely. Um, so I'll read what Danny's written to us. He says, hello. Firstly, I just want to say that I love your podcast. Thank you, Danny. Uh, please don't ever stop doing it. Well, it will stop at some point because <laughs> that's the natural way of things. But um, we'll try to keep going. We're in our fourth year now. We should say that, shouldn't we? This is our yep. fourth year. Who yep. would have thought that I thought we were only going to get four episodes done? <laughs> We've actually done four it's taken years. Every, it's all by surprise, isn't it? So, but Excellent. yeah, we'll we'll keep going for a bit longer, Danny. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, we'll try and keep going. Anyway, I've recently given my first head gardener role down in Cornwall. Well done, uh, Danny, and well done for taking that leap. Mm. Um, I can't wait to get stuck in, but I wondered if you have any advice for someone in their first head gardener role, or was there something you wish someone had said to you at the start? Keep up the good work. Cheers, Danny. Well, thanks, Danny. Um, that's a great. That re- is a great question, yeah, and a great question to start the year with, in some ways, because in some ways that's why we sort of did this podcast to help people who wanted to, yeah, take the career ladder and what to expect and you know how to do it. So um, let's wax lyrical on uh, some of the things we wish we were told or some of the advice. Do you want to start? Uh, yeah, start I can with do. Lucy? I yeah, can do. Of it. course. Yeah. One one thing I was quite nervous of when I started at Dunnerland was asking questions. Because um, Mm. when you're employed as a head gardener, the presumption is with that definition, that term, that you need to be the all-seeing, all-knowing head gardener. And you should know everything that you know about that estate as you step over the threshold. Do you know what? That's impossible. Absolutely impossible. Especially if it's a new garden to you as well. Because you just don't know what the microclimate of that particular estate holds. Um, One thing that I do find is that, you know, we have our general principles of horticulture that we understand the scientific principles. When you then apply them to an individual area, things like, let's say, walls, the sun, the prevailing winds, the soil type, they have a massive influence on how the plants perform and how they will do. And you do not know that. You will not know that until you have been in that garden and working there for two, three or four years when you've been observing it. So do not be afraid to ask questions, especially of employees who have been there for years. You know, they have got that knowledge, that understanding. And I think they'd actually be quite glad for you, if you come into a head gardener role and there's staff who are um, more uh, junior to you who've been there for a longer time, I think they'd be glad to be asked because they'll feel involved, they'll feel valued. So that is definitely one of my top bits of advice yeah i think i'm gonna uh, yeah i think i'm gonna expand and add to that what i would say and i know you that you've said in your uh, question danny you can't wait to get stuck in i'd say maybe just step back a little bit i think a lot of people start new jobs and they think let's hit it running let's make a good impression i think actually with gardening or or being a head gardener taking on a garden you've actually got to take your time to get used to like you were saying lucy the garden and trying to impose your will as it were uh, on the garden straight away 
can actually be detrimental in some ways mm. because you don't know much about it. Um, I think the the old thing is it takes you a good year to understand any garden, whether you're amateur, professional, whatever. But an easier year because because there might be different weather the following year. You know, we have so many years that are one year really hot and dry and then the other year, you know, the summer's really wet and, and claggy. Those two years are going to be so different. And um, yeah, like I say, so I would say, you know, as I say, two or three or four years till you get your yeah. un- a real solid core understanding of that garden. So it does, it, t- it takes some time. So what I would say is, um, lose the head bit of the role you've taken mm. and become a gardener for a bit. Yeah. Get used to actually gardening. And like Lucy said, if you've got colleagues who have been there for a bit, work with them. They know what's going on. Do the gardening in all the sections of the garden. Don't try and assume you know what's happening in one bed just because you've seen it before. Um, really take on the gardener bit of your role first and then once you get used to it, then you can start the managerial, the planning, uh, you know, in, the imposing a bit more of your uh, vision of what you see the garden or working with people to make that longer plan. Um, so it, it does take it does take time. But patience. I think we've we've said this in the podcast before. Gardening is a patient sport. It is not something which you want to score 10 goals in the first week and then realise in half a year's time that all those goals are own goals Mm. um you know you want to make sure that once you start doing stuff to the garden that is stuff that's going to echo down the years and and show your uh skill as a gardener in good light rather than making wrong decisions to start with just to add on quickly to that that if the people who are employing you really want you to be dynamic and expect you to go in there and make massive big changes straight away. I think don't be ashamed or embarrassed to say, no, not yet. I would like to wait because um, there's that phrase, isn't there? A new broom sweeps clean. Mm. And that can be applied to other jobs, of course. You know, if you um, have those roles where you, you can go in there and do something straight away. But there is such a value in stepping back and observing and looking and, like I say, asking, researching before you do anything major. Because you just don't know what the the ground holds, what the the seasons hold, and and yeah, mm. and and then use that time for research, for planning your thoughts, for for gaining your thoughts together. Lucy likes a list. I like a spreadsheet. Use Hang that. On. <laughs> Don't Hang you start talking about that list? That's that's private. I'm just going to mention your. Can I not mention it? Okay. Go on. No, wait. No, no, no. Go on. Go on. I don't want to embarrass. No, I don't want. To. I was just going to mention that Saul has said to me before we press the record button that he's going to get a, a whiteboard for his office. <laughs> to write a list. That's all I'm going to say. I'm Damn not going to gloat. A, a list is useful. That's all I can say. It's just a spreadsheet. <laughs> we'll get you on the spreadsheets. Anyway, um, to say to Danny, use that time to record, observe uh, and uh, do the research. Mm. I don't know what garden you're at. Um, hopefully we'll meet, actually, because I'm only across the border. So I do know a lot of the Cornish uh, uh Do you go across gardens. the border? I, occasionally. Um, uh, if, but I know Bob listens to this over, the, and he tries to pull up the Tamar Bridge whenever <laughs> I'm uh, about to come over, or puts the toll up, at least, that I can't afford to come over. But um, t- uh, it, if, it's a, if it's a historic garden... One of the things I did at Stonelands, because I knew that the uh, history was a bit patchy, I went out and actually 
try to do a bit of historic research mm. you know try and find out more about so i found out a lot about an old head gardener and then i managed to track down his family uh not not um not stalkerish not, uh, not... so that just sound a bit sinister <laughs> yeah, sorry not sinisterly i i got you know i got in touch <laughs> Tapping on the window <laughs> sorry yeah i got in touch with them and then uh they gave me or they let me look at three of his old garden diaries from the 40s and the 50s oh brilliant you know that's the kind of information that is invaluable because some of the plants you might be looking after might have been planted by these people. So knowing their thoughts and where they got the plants and the provenance and what they were growing them for is really interesting. So a bit of histor historic interest. And i got to say, it's really interesting because all of this gets you more grounded into the property. The, the one thing that most head gardeners that I know that have been at their gardens for quite long is they feel part of the fabric and the history of their garden mm. and making yourself feel like that by doing that research, taking the time to enjoy the garden, understand it. It gives you a bit more of a connection mm. to the land rather than trying to impose some sort of academic or, you know, or your, your training is great. It'll give you a good basis. It's a bit like driving you learn about it, but you don't really learn about it till you actually start the actual driving. Mm. And then you get used to your car and then you get that history of driving. But it's the same with a garden. You know, you get into it once you start, but you need to take the time to do that. So, um, yeah, use those resources uh, wisely, especially in your first year when you have got that time to to get yourself grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just add on to that as well? Um, I would definitely make sure you get to grips with the, the kind of infrastructure of the garden the resources that are available to you practically and physically what you're going to be using yes you know so look at actually the estate if there's you know old buildings in there what are their limitations what are their attributes what can they do for you the water system is it a borehole is it on mains is it yeah. fed by you know anything that's going to be potentially erratic water pressure the amount of times i speak to gardeners when we, we, we visit these gardens and they complain about the water pressure or there's a there's some kind of like you know just like trait that it just catches them out things like that you know what machinery you have just go there and look and see whether things are modern whether they're old and they need a bit of tinkering um the tools that you all that kind of stuff the most basic thing if you can see what resources you have because i think there's a lot of weight on the shoulders of head gardeners and if you go in there new and fresh and young and think gosh I feel quite overwhelmed by that actually it gives you confidence again to think right this is what I've got at my disposal this is the staff this is the size of the estate this is all the like I say the infrastructure that goes with it this is the tools I have so I know within my ability I can do such and such you won't ever then try and overcommit to something and maybe be too peachy keen that you're trying to say oh yes I can do this and I can do that in the first year and then you have actually haven't got the the team or the equipment or whatever to to do it I think that you know really understanding what your estate has at its disposal is 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 very useful and also as I say confidence building too yeah head gardeners are always using transferable skills you, uh, I will tell you now that if you think you, it's all going to be about gardening, <laughs> you are you're sorely mistaken. You will learn lots of different skills, uh, things you would never thought you knew about, uh, especially to do with plumbing, electrics, I was just going to say, <laughs> guttering, all kinds of things. Vermin. That you think, 
Yeah, that's it. Press control, all kinds yeah. of weird Swans. Ski- yeah, skills that you think, God, you know, I never signed up. I never knew when I was, a, I don't know, at university or, or college or whatever. I, they told me it was all about field capacity and, I don't know, um, bowl planting and all that. Actually, there's a lot of things that we do outside maybe our general sphere of gardening. But it's all part of the sort of the the daily, I don't know, excitement of what's going to happen next. Yeah, uh, at your garden that a head gardener has to to get used to. Um, next thing I want to say is you're not an island. Uh, we discuss this a lot. Uh, people can get stuck behind their walls of their garden, it's, or their hedges, depending what your thing is, and think that they're very much isolated. Um, now, I luckily, you being in Cornwall, I can already tell you. Cornwall and Devon have a huge network of gardeners, head gardeners, green spaces. Um, hopefully, Danny, I, I tell you what, Danny, try and get in touch with you. I don't know how, if you're on Twitter, please send me a message or maybe uh, I, or, uh, Lucy's emails on the on our website. So if you want to send her a message, maybe she can put me in touch with you because you could join the Cornish Professional Gardeners group, which is a bunch of gardens uh head gardeners who get together now and again to network did you say some bunch bumptious head gardeners Bump, did you say bumptious head gardeners, yeah <laughs> that's what they call the town called bumptious uh, a bunch of head bunch oh sorry of head gardeners. so it's my accent and the and probably a legacy of this uh bloody virus sorry sorry uh this uh, nice virus um uh but yes realize you're not alone um, yeah, and definitely. you've already started, actually. You've you've sent us this nice, and we're talking about it. Mm. But if you haven't want any help, reach out. I don't know which part of Cornwall you're in, but trust me, you'll throw a stone in either direction, and you'll find another garden. Uh, get to know those people because you'll be funny. Your tractor might break down, and you could go borrow one, or you could share a budget on plants or seeds, uh, or or they could have mm. connections that then help you find what you're looking for you can't stay yeah as much as you want to have you focus on your garden it's worth 10 percent just looking outside at what other people are doing and trust me it will always help you in your development as a head gardener i had that down it was a really good bit of advice as well because i do think as you say you know um, a problem shared is a problem halved even if you're just starting out and you're like i don't know how to tackle this and just asking people as advice gardeners are such a generous friendly knowledge sharing bunch they will they will absolutely lean over backwards to help you they really really will um one thing we haven't talked about yet is with your employers now obviously with a head garden as well there can be so many different Mm. um levels of employer it can be like say a charity it can be a, a private employer like we have it can be um something that's maybe you know, like an event centre, you know, like weddings or garden courses or whatever it might be. There's there's so many different types of employer, but it's really key to communicate to them clearly. And yeah, sometimes, absolutely. especially on private estates, that doesn't happen or it does. there's the potential for it not to happen. So be proactive there and make sure that you do dip into your employers and communicate with them at least at least once a month, if not more. I mean, we were very lucky at East Donaldland that we um, could say hello to the owners every coffee time when we were there and we'd have a good half hour chat about work but it was still our coffee time and it was it was good to have that time with them and to talk about what we were doing and to ask their permissions to spend budgets or to just get their approval you know sounding out ideas with people and just ensuring that they're on board with you I think is actually 
half the the battle when it comes to communicating clearly. Yeah. Um, so that is something that I would definitely make sure is in place. It may already be so. As I say, it may be part of a, a very established garden charity that already has meetings every day or team meetings every week or whatever it might be. But if that isn't in place, do try to set something up because poor communication or misunderstandings can really be destructive. They can cause all sorts of problems that you never anticipated and once they're done it's difficult to undo them so i would definitely say communication strong clear and regular yeah and just to add to that whatever is the owner or the charity like lucy said it's clear to get the aim of where the garden's heading Mm. quite clearly set out so that you can work within that to to deliver whatever the the aim of the garden is um a garden without a sort of focus can be quite difficult to manage because you are you can get a little bit lost within the ideas. You know, we've already discussed taking your time. So again, if there isn't an aim for the garden, it's worth using that time, like Lucy said, with communication with whatever parties are involved to understand exactly what you want to achieve in the garden and make sure everyone's pulling in a similar in a similar direction yeah can i just i'm just looking at the time and i'm mindful of of us trying to hit our, our target i've got three really quick oh yeah um points here to make and here then maybe you, you yeah so trust your instincts that's always uh with any job uh but especially with a in a head gardener's role there's things that often you make decisions that you won't see the results of them for a week a month uh, a year maybe more year than one year um so don't be shy do trust your instincts. They've employed you as a head gardener for a very good reason. And so utilize those skills and don't hide them under, excuse the pun. Oh God, that's awful. Hide them under a bushel. Um, so do trust your instincts. Put forward ideas as well. Um, some may transpire, some may not, but it's yeah. it's good to show that you've got suggestions. Even if, like I say, we're saying, don't be too dynamic to start off with, you know, show that you're proactive and you've got some some solid ideas and some visions and things that, the, the, the owners might might think that's brilliant and run with it, or they may not, but don't be disheartened if they don't. And also don't be afraid to say no. We've as said this on the podcast in the past. Um, Absolutely. Don't stretch yourself beyond your means. Gardening is a physical task. And if you think you can't do something, say no, because nobody knows how your body feels apart from you. And I think that this is a general principle for any gardener. But again, you know, when you're head gardener, you've got that responsibility of those expectations that sometimes we put on ourselves. It may not be the employer doing that. It may be you and you're, you know, a bit too, you want to show that you can do stuff and you don't want to be letting people down. But please don't ever put yourself at any kind of risk. Yeah. And I think all three of those is about trusting yourself. Mm. At the end of the day, you've got this position of merit. I suspect you've got some good experience behind you and good training. Use that whether it is looking up ideas or whether it is saying no that's not going to work or that's not going to work in this situation and and explain generally if you explain why you're saying no Mm. then people will accept that because you're showing what you know and why so yeah worth doing anyway we should say good luck to danny shouldn't we really oh god yes how exciting yeah yeah honestly danny we hope we've helped you in your next few weeks and months and hopefully many years as a as a head gardener um uh, it's been a really it was a really good question thank you so much for putting it to us and as i say we hoped we've we've helped you along your 
head gardener journey. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. If you'd like to contact myself or Saul, we're free to chat on our social media platforms. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at HeadGardenLC and you can find Saul on Twitter at GardeningSaul. Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter peels back the garden's layers to reveal its bare bones, allowing us to reflect, assess and adjust our intentions. Visits to specialist nurseries, orders with seed merchants and conversations with our employers all drive exciting changes for the year rolling out before us. Emerging snowdrops, swelling buds and strengthening sunlight all indicate that something momentous is about to occur and we'd love to experience that with you. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.